Okay, please be seated. Okay, it's the end of 2023, and we're going to change some things up on you. We're going to do things a little bit different in today's service. I'm going to preach at the beginning of the service and at the end of the service. We're going to split some things up this morning. There's a reason for that, but uh, it's the end of the year, so if this, if this is a tragedy and ends up just being a total disaster because we can't do two sermons in one service, um, we'll blame it on 2023 and we'll start the new, new year over, right? Well, let's, before we go to the Lord of the Word, before we go to the Word, let's go to the Lord of the Word. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, we come before you and we thank you for this last year. Uh, 2023 has been a, a year that's been filled with many joys, many griefs, um, many opportunities, uh, many lessons learned. Uh, Father, we thank you for this time that we've had uh, to serve you. We look forward to a new year. And so, Father, we pray that you would fill us with your spirit as we start 2024. Might your word fill us, and as it does so, might your spirit use that um, to do great things in each one of our lives. Uh, for your glory, and that Jesus Christ would be magnified, and, and for the good of your people. And so, Father, we pray that as we come before your word today, that you would teach us that we would be challenged, that we would be convicted, uh, that your spirit would do his work in each one of our hearts to show us sin and to show us areas where we need to follow you more closely. Please teach us now, we pray. Amen. Well, in, uh, in 1989, I uh, had the opportunity to be a part of a, a missions trip, and we were in the, the jungles of Costa Rica for the summer. And our team... Uh, was working a few miles south of the Nicaraguan border, and so to arrive at our summer home, we had to take a, a journey. Uh, we flew into San Jose. Uh, from San Jose, we took a three-hour bus ride over a volcano, um, and then we, we uh, came to Puerto Viejo. Our team hitched a canoe ride for three more hours up the Rio Serapiqui, and then half an hour up the small tributary that brought us to our, our summer home. During those few weeks we spent in the jungle, we encountered uh, tree frogs, howler monkeys, we discovered jungle rot, um, we swung over the hills on 50 to 100 foot tree vines. However, one of the most memorable features of the Costa Rican jungle was the massive trees. It kind of reminded me later on of, of Chicago. Um, just massive skyscrapers everywhere you looked and, and these trees were these living skyscrapers that just loomed over you everywhere and there was there's this river system that that branched out for hundreds of kilometers and so these trees just towered over the the entire landscape there were villages and and um, groups of people that lived all around us but we never saw any of them throughout that whole summer we just saw our building project and our our one neighbor a widow and her family um most of our days, though, were spent working on this construction site, uh, but we had this one opportunity where we took a couple-hour hike through the jungles. And on this particular occasion, we came out into this open field, and we encountered a herd of, of Brahmin cattle. Uh, they surprised us. Uh, we surprised them, and um, we were all curious, but when, when we noticed that the cattle was, was returning our curiosity... Uh, it didn't take us long to realize that their approaching charge was probably a little too aggressive for our liking. And so uh, on the spot, we had to decide where, where do we hide? What do we crawl under? Where do we run to? 
And so we ran for the trees as quickly as we could, hoping that we could crawl into something or crawl behind something. And what we found was even better. That's when we got our first close-up view of what's called the buttress tree. It's um, being near the river, the, the root systems of these trees throughout the jungle are, are just massive. And, and the roots themselves are buried deep, but on the surface, the, the roots grow up uh, around the tree, and, and the roots actually form walls, uh, sometimes eight feet by six feet wide. And the tree comes down, and then it just kind of buttresses down like a fortress uh, on the ground. And so we ran into these trees, and we, we tucked ourselves inside these roots, these walls of root, and played hide-and-seek with the Brahmin for a few minutes until they, they lost their interest. This is the picture that the psalmist uses in Psalm chapter 1. In the first chapter of Psalms, he, he talks about the blessed man. And he says this, He's like a tree planted by streams of water. This morning... Uh, we're going we're to unfold Psalm chapter 1 together in this, this, the beginning of this passage. And, and we're going to look at its different parts. But, but one of those parts and one of the tools that we're going to discover that God has given to you as a believer in Jesus Christ is the ability to memorize and meditate on Scripture. In fact, it's kind of hard to meditate on Scripture if, if you haven't memorized it to some capacity. We have the ability to memorize the very words of God. You, you have the ability to hide God's word in your heart and in your mind. And as we begin this new year, I wanted to address some really practical needs that we have as Christians so that we might walk with our God in a manner that would honor him and would fill us with joy in 2024. Uh, some years ago, we, um, I think it was right before the pandemic, uh, we, we started a Bible reading program uh, and a Bible memorization program as a church. We called it Rooted. And uh, I felt that it would be a good year to come back to that. You know, Each year on the back of our sermon notes, I try to put something like uh, some Bible reading programs or some Bible study programs. This last year, I kind of left things independently for each person to kind of try some different things. Um, certainly, what we have on the back of the sermon notes is not uh, ob obligatory. You don't have to memorize the same passages with us. But we do want to encourage you to be reading the Scripture and studying the Scripture and and memorizing the scripture and so we're gonna we're going to do that again this year and the idea is this every week we want to challenge ourselves to memorize one verse of scripture together we'll have a variety of, of verses on the back of your sermon notes this year uh, with some of you i might i'm going to be working on first john and i'm going to try to memorize the first two chapters or maybe three chapters of john you can get through almost three chapters of first john uh, if you do one verse a week that's it and so I um, invite you to join me on one of those goals. You can memorize the, the verses on the back of your sermon notes, or you can go through First John with me. Um, but I want you to know that the challenge and the goal is not actually memory work. The, the goal of this is not just to memorize the Scripture. The goal is that you would hide God's Word in your heart in order that, so that you have the opportunity to take what's hidden there, what you've memorized, and throughout the day and throughout the week, that you would meditate on it, that you would be pondering and thinking about what God's Word says and what it means for your life. I'll return to that a little bit later on in today's service. Um, 
And as I mentioned, rather than preaching one sermon today, uh, I'm going to preach a couple sermons, uh, or we're going to split it up into two halves. Uh, We've done this before with Psalm 119, and we did it with Matthew chapter 28 one time, but I I think it's good practice for us to do this again. And so we're going to split things up a little bit, and I'd like for us to invest some time during our service in a really practical exercise. And so before we leave today, you're going to have memorized some scripture together. Um, And before we sing praises together again, I'd like us to consider this psalm, Psalm chapter 1. And I'd like us all to read this passage out loud. If everybody would read it with me, we're going to read verses 1 and 2 together. Uh, And then um, I'm going to give you a a head start on on some of the memorization for the next couple weeks, okay? So uh, should have it up on the screen behind me. All right. We're going to just read Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. This is in the ESV. Uh, on the back of your sermon notes, we'll have the ESV and the NIV if you want to be memorizing with us. And so you have a couple options. But uh, just read verses 1 and 2 with me. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. All right, so we're going to read verse 2 one more time. This is the first part of our exercise. And we pay really close attention to it, see if you can memorize it just in the second reading. And then I'm going to have you turn to your neighbor, somebody that you know that's sitting next to you, and see if you can say it without looking. All right, and we'll, we'll leave it up here so you can see it, okay? Verse 2, ready? But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. All right, so I'd like us to keep in mind this great promise that God gives to us here. This is the passage that we're memorizing this first couple of weeks of the year, and I'd like to invite you to join us as we, are root, we root ourselves in God's word and as we delight in the law of the Lord. And so as the priest team comes up here, uh, if you would turn to someone that you know next to you and repeat as much as you can from verse 2, see if what you can remember. And then, of course, you can look up here if you need help. All right. Well, let's read our verse two more times, and let's kind of uh, do our, our practice together. Everybody, everybody ready? All right, we're just going to do verse two, and we'll do that a few times throughout the service, and see if we can get that one down. Ready? But, oh, we'll wait for it to get up there. There we go. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. All right, we're going to do this a second time, but four words missing this time, okay? But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. You guys are pros, you got it? All right, so again, we're, we're promoting in 2024 what we're calling Rooted. Every week, we're challenging our congregation to memorize one verse of Scripture together. And it's not just memory work, but the goal is that we would hide God's Word in our hearts so that you have the opportunity to meditate on the Scripture. The psalmist talks about this in the very first psalm. Listen to what he says. Again, he says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but... His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. 
And so what the psalmist does, right at the beginning of, of Psalms, this is how he introduces all 150 songs in this book. He begins with this contrast. There's two different ways. One way uh, delights in the advice of those who love sin. This way finds counsel in, from those that are, that are crooked. This person puts themselves in, in the path where they will encounter opportunity to indulge and they will fellowship with those who mock the truth and who scoff at God himself. But the other way is one that delights in God's law. That, that word to delight means to take pleasure in something. You've ever, have you ever taken pleasure in something in life? How many chocolate fans here? How many of you have taken pleasure in chocolate this week? All right, we had Skippy over the other night. I took pleasure in an amazing key lime pie. It was awesome. All right? Uh, that, that's the idea of delighting in something. Uh, to, to delight means to take pleasure in it, to desire. Uh, it's a little bit of a taste of what the psalmist is encouraging us regarding God's law. Take delight in God's law, his rules, his words. Take pleasure in it. Desire it. This almost tells us that we should delight in God's law. There, there's other places in the scripture, in, in Hebrew, where that same word is used, and it's used as an adjective. And if you take that same word to delight, and you combine it with the ordinary word for stone, you, you get in Hebrew a phrase that means stones of delight, precious jewels. And, and so when you're... Um, best friend comes to you and they show you their ring and say see look he proposed this week and you delight in that that sparkling gem on on, on a, a gold band or, or you you look at uh, in a window and you see all these sapphires and, and you delight in, in how they sparkle that's word literally in the hebrew these stones of delight and, and god's word is, is supposed to be something that delights you one thinks of the law and, and we think of rules right that's what it means. But the psalmist tells us, he says, rather than God's law is a burden to me, rather than God's law is something that's heavy for me, rather than God's law is something that I, I drudge through, the psalmist tells us that God's law, God's rules, are a delight. They are precious stones. Like precious stones that dazzle the human eye, God's word delights the hearts of his people. But then the psalmist reverses the contrast in verse 3. You see, the one who delights in God's law, in verse 3, he says, he is like a, a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and his leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, prospers. And so why, why again is the man blessed? According to the passage, he's blessed because God's law provides the foundation that is grown, uh, the foundation that is grown like the roots of a tree that are planted by a river. Uh, the one who takes pleasure in the scripture bears fruit when they're supposed to. Their spiritual life is alive. Their spiritual life is, is vibrant. As you go into 2024, if you want to, to live a life that would be pleasing to your God and live a life in a way that you are, are taking pleasure in Him and bringing Him pleasure in, 
and you bearing fruit when you're supposed to. The spiritual life is alive and vibrant as we delight in God's law. It bears fruit in our lives. And then in contrast to that, we find what happens to those who delight in sin. He goes back to the the one who who, uh, sits in the way of scoffers. Look at verse 4. He says, the wicked, they're not so, but they're like chaff that the wind drives away. You all can picture chaff, right? I remember our first year here, we we had a pool that came with our house. Um, I, I didn't quite understand it because a, a pool in Iowa, um, you, have, you have about one month of warm water. And, and I worked and worked and worked at filtering that thing. I didn't realize that the filter was actually broken. And so I was like working against myself and it kept on turning green and I was dumping stuff in it. And, um, and, and then just when I got everything perfect, just when everything, the, the balance was perfect, I, I hope I'm not dr- causing pain over here. You guys got a new pool, all right? Um, you guys got that great heater on it. So um, you're also younger than I am too. So you can take this hurt. Right as we got everything balanced and ready, and, and it was, you know, okay, we can enjoy the last couple weeks of, of, you know, moderately warm water, harvest happened. And the, the bees' wings from all the, the corn, the chaff, coated the top of the pool. That's the picture of, of the wicked. They are not one who is like streams of water whose roots are planted. They're like chaff that the wind drives away. You can see it, can't you? The man who walks in wickedness and puts himself in the way of sinners, he finds himself blown around. As soon as culture changes and, and culture decides that it, it needs to shift a different direction, he's moved like the dry, shattered husk of a grain. And as soon as peer pressure gets put on, he's blown away again. One of these ways that's presented in these verses results in a blessed life. The other way results in destruction. All right. Let's review our verses. Ready? We're going to do it three times this time. All right. Everyone together. You got it up here? All right. But his heart is in the law of the Lord, and on his law meditates day and night. Second time. But delight is in the law of the Lord, and he All right, third time. We're going to lose a couple more words. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law meditates day and night. Good. All right. So there's the key principle in verse 2 that defines the man or the woman who delights in God's law. Uh, Look again at verse 2. He says, "On, on his law, he meditates day and night. We find that phrase in an earlier part of Scripture. Can you guys think of some other places you've seen that? It's kind of a rhetor- rhetorical question, but I'll put it out there. What's that? Joshua 1.9. He read my sermon notes. All right. Anybody else? Now, I don't know the answer to it because I'm, I'm trying to think of another place. All right. Joshua 1.9 is a key place. All right, let's, let's turn there. Uh, consider the words that God gave to Joshua in, in Joshua chapter 1, uh, starting in verses 7 and 8. Um, Moses has just died. Th- that's the context. Moses has just died, and 
He's been leading the Israelites for 40 years in the wilderness. And the job of leading the people into the promised land has come to Joshua. God met with him before they entered the land, and he encouraged him with these words. Look at verse 7. Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 7. He says, only, I'm talking to Joshua, this is the Lord speaking to Joshua, only be strong and very courageous being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it, what's it say? Day and night. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Does that sound familiar? I think the psalmist was thinking about Joshua a little bit when he wrote that song. Uh, it's this beautiful poetry in psalm, but it reflects this, this conversation that God has with, with Joshua. And it, it's interesting, you know, what's Joshua's main job? What, what, is he, what is he doing as he leads the people into the promised land? He's their general, right? He's leading their armies into the promised land to take the land. And, and, and God comes and visits him. And what's he say to Joshua? Joshua, be strong and courageous. I, I want you to read the, the art of war. Right? Does he point him to a good book about military strategy? Does he talk to him about you know, Joshua, you need, you need to do this many push-ups a day and this many pull-ups and this is how you need to train your men and, and, and here's some logistics. None of that, right? And now, it's not to say that Joshua didn't have those, those things to figure in, but the priority that God gives to Joshua was on what? Delighting in God's law. To take God's law and, and don't depart from it. Don't go to the right. Don't go to the left. Your success depends on you Trusting what God has given to you in His law. Meditate on it day and night. But there's a purpose for it, isn't there? It's not just, hey, Joshua, I want you to memorize the word. It's not that I want you to just meditate on all these things that Moses has commanded you. First five books of the Bible that that Israel has. We we don't just spend time in it just because I have to do my 15 minutes a day or, or God won't bless me because I didn't check the list off, right? There's a so that there. There's a purpose clause. God says, I want you to do this, Joshua, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. And and here's one of the main principles here. I I hear a lot of people say, well, I I, I didn't realize that that was a sin. I didn't realize that I was disobeying God because I'd never heard that before. Does that work? Is that a good excuse? Especially for you who have God's word, for me who has God's word. If I say, oh, I never really realized it. I never read that. Whose fault is that, right? And so I meditate on God's law. I read God's word. I memorize God's word. And then I meditate on it day and night so that I can be careful to do everything, to do according to all that is written in it. For then... When I've obeyed God's word, when I'm living according to the principles of God's word, that is when my way is prosperous. That is when I have good success. 
according to God's standard. You see, like Joshua, there's, there's much that God has for each one of us to accomplish for his glory. And like Joshua, God's word should always be on our lips. It should always be on our minds. If we are not meditating on his word, then we will not always we will not always be ready to do according to what is in his word. And how can we meditate on God's word if we haven't first read it and memorized God's word and hidden it in our heart? I want to challenge us in this because God has commanded us to meditate on scripture. And I know some of us are better at memorizing than others. My 20-year-old self was a lot better at memorizing than my 50-year-old self is. But it's still there. I, I am called to meditate on God's Word. And, and this happens when I first hide His Word in my heart. Uh, the word meditation that's used there in Joshua as well as in Psalm chapter 1. Uh, it has this, this idea... Uh, the, um, well, there's a lot of ideas behind the word meditation. What, what does it conjure up in our minds? We start thinking of, you know, closing your eyes. Yeah, right? Saying your mantra, emptying your mind. The, the words come to mean a lot of things today, especially with uh, the introduction of Eastern mysticism and New Age ideology. And so let's just consider what the Bible does not mean by this concept of meditation. In the East, the, the concept of meditation has the idea of more to do with emptying your mind. Usually, uh, mystics will focus on a chant, uh, a mantra, and and so you'll say a phrase or a few words over and over and over again so that that becomes the whole thing you're focusing on and everything else is cleared from your mind. And usually mystics will focus on this chant or mantra so they can repeat it in order to drive all other words and all other thoughts away. It's a pursuit of the inner self, or peace, as they'll put it, that comes from within. Now, what does the Bible say about what comes from within? It says the heart is wicked. It's deceitful. The Bible tells us that this kind of meditation will not bring true peace, and it tells us that the inner self within is is not the quiet, tranquil kind of guy, really. Biblical meditation... I want you to get this. Biblical meditation is not entering a trance. It's not entering an altered state or some higher plane of being. It doesn't mean that you have to sit in a, 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 a certain position or even close your eyes in order to focus. J- just like when you come to worship service. Worship is not something that takes place just because you feel it. Worship is a decision that you make. It's walking in obedience. And sometimes your worship is you choosing what's right and doing the right thing and choosing to worship God even when you don't feel it. Worship is something that happens when you go to work and you choose to obey Him and, and live a life of integrity rather than the life that some of your co-workers are living. Worship is something that takes place in some of the mundane things of this life. In the same way, biblical meditation can take place in any, any context. It doesn't have to be a time when you're in a peaceful setting, though peace and quiet can sometimes be a nice thing, right? But sometimes, quiet and relaxation are just aids to help a person, but meditation can also take place in the middle of busy traffic. Meditation can take place with children screaming. 
or in the midst of your work throughout the day. Meditation is oftentimes con- compared with the, the science of rumination. All right, this English word to, to meditate, it, it has this idea of, um, of ruminating. We're, we're in Iowa, uh, and so a lot of us know what that means, right? What does it mean to ruminate? To, to, well, I heard it, to chew the, yeah, to chew the cud. Uh, it's this process of a, of a cow chewing its cud. And if, if you look at cattle while traveling down the road, more often than not, what are they doing? They're, yeah, they're either eating more grass or they're just chewing. They're just standing there chewing all the time. As many of you are aware, cows have four compartments in their stomach. There's, there's some different myths about some of this, but, but they have four compartments in their stomach. When a cow eats grass or hay, um, really nutrients, nu- nutritious stuff, right? It's like drinking a nice healthy milkshake or a good steak. Uh, that'd probably be horrible for them, but... Um, Sorry, it just came out, you know. I mean, grass. You don't get a lot out of it, do you? And so when a cow eats grass or hay, they want to get every single bit of whatever's nutritious in that that blade of grass that they can. And so when the food is swallowed, it travels to this first compartment where it's softened into what's called cud or small balls of food. And, And then you know it. The cow brings it back up. And, and it's carried to the mouth where the cow chews the cud. And then the cow chews and chews and gets every possible nutrient out of that, those blades of grass that it's been eating. It swallows the cud to the second compartment and all that moisture is squeezed out and the cow gets everything that it can out of the food that it's given. And, and meditation is a similar picture. Okay, different process for us as as human beings right different process for those of us that are christians but it's this idea of getting every possible nutrient that you can out of god's word for your life if you truly delight in god's word then you will chew on it chew on it and chew on it you'll mull it over you'll think about how god worded it and and what those phrases mean, and you will give it thought. And your meditation will take what you've read, and it'll take what you've memorized, and it will digest from God's Word, and it will return it to you for you to chew on it more. Why? So that you can get every possible nutrient that you can out of His Word. I want you to understand, these are the words of the living God. And so therefore, we should long to understand and obey His Word. We should long to live by it. And when we come to the Scripture, this should be something that saturates our lives. It should fill our lives. It should fill our minds. It should fill our thoughts throughout the day. And I want you to understand that that biblical meditation, in contrast to other forms of meditation around the world, biblical meditation does not mean that I empty my mind of everything but rather that i fill my mind with god's thoughts and i give them my utmost attention and my utmost devotion because these are the thoughts of god and he wants me to think about them j.i packer in his book um knowing god 
he wrote this. He said, meditation is the activity of calling the mind and thinking over and dwelling on and applying to oneself the various things that one knows about the works and ways and purposes and promises of God. It is an activity of holy thought, consciously performed in the presence of God, under the eye of God, by the help of God, as a means of communion with God. My delight is in the law of the Lord. And on His law, we meditate day and night. Let's close. Let's do it one more time. Ready? Let's go over the verse one more time. Shouldn't have any. Okay. A couple hints. Ready? But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Let's just do it one more time for the fun of it. Skippy, just get rid of the whole thing. All right. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now you have a head start on next week's verse. I'm going to encourage you to, to look at verse 1. I think I have verse 1 on the back of your sermon notes. And I have some, um, you, don't have to, you don't have to go through it just like this. These are just ideas. It's out there for you so that uh, if you don't have a plan already or aren't working on something that you're memorizing and meditating on, here's something for you to work on. But I'm going to encourage you to go back and memorize verse 1. You can get it down tomorrow and Tuesday. And then throughout the week, Let us mull over these promises that God gives us. Let's meditate. Father, we thank you for your instruction. We thank you for your truth. We thank you that long before scientists understood the concept of sleep and how our minds work in the day and how our minds work in the morning, how our minds work at night, even how our minds work when we're sleeping that you've given us principles to live by here principles to meditate on your word not just early in the morning not just right before we go to bed at night not just at church but day and night we thank you you've given us principles here and elsewhere that that we learn to saturate our lives with your word and in the way that we read it we study it we talk about it with others We systematize it into theology and and try to understand you because you've given us this amazing privilege of knowing you, of walking with you, of living lives in which we get to delight in you and delight in your word that you've given to us. And we delight in your word not because it, it is our God, but because it is the expression of your thoughts and it is you that we worship. And so we take these words and, and Father, it is my prayer this morning that for each one of us, that we would learn to delight in it, that we would learn to thirst for it, like a deer that that pants for water, that so our soul would long after you. And Father, I pray that 2024 would be a year of incredible blessing for my friends that are here today. 
Not because you just give them good things. We know that you do that. We know that you love your children and you, you delight in giving us gifts as any parent loves to do. But my prayer is that, that my friends here would be blessed in 2024 because they've learned to better understand and listen to and read and memorize and study and meditate on your word, on your law, on your rules, not because they are a burden to us, but because your burden is life, because it delights the soul like a gleaming gem. In Jesus' name we pray.